it's the big gold rush now in real estate is everybody's got to be a syndicator. Everybody's got to get in a multifamily. All right, look, are you sure you're ready for this? Because it is a lot. And a lot of people start chasing dollars. They do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it to chase the dollar. The dollar will come if you do it effectively. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss. And with me today, I have an incredible guest. I mean, when I say incredible, I mean someone who is going to blow your socks off. That's right. I have Bruce Peterson, the apartment guy, with us today all the way from Austin, Texas. What's going on, Bruce? Not a whole lot, man. Just freezing. Not a whole lot. <laughs> down here. It's actually 27 degrees when I woke up this morning. That's not supposed to happen in Austin, although it has been the last couple of years. Well, I was very humble that nothing much is going on when you just told me before the call that you you just closed on an apartment deal. So that's pretty... That's something. Yeah. I mean, of, of course, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. We've got <laughs> online education being launched in probably a week. So I'm trying to get all that troubleshooting work through right now. We just bought a property, maybe going to offer another property really quick. Lots of travel coming up. So yeah, super, super busy, but it, it's fun. Amazing. Now you've been in the multifamily, just to give our listeners a little background, a little context, who we're talking about today, been in the multifamily business for quite a long time. I think longer than most syndicators that make themselves famous on the internet today and have gone through the way it's been done the right way and and the wrong way. And I think more than anything, you kind of like to show the light of what syndication is really like, as uh, as can be shown clearly from the title of your recent book. Syndication is a a certain word that I don't like to say on this, but if, if you know if my editors want to make a bleep sound uh, there, then we can, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the book it was driven by the fact that I was tired of seeing people get not taken advantage of necessarily, but just not being given the full the full picture of what syndicating is really all about when these different groups are trying to teach everybody to be a syndicator or deal sponsor. They only tell you the rainbows and the lollipop stuff, the unicorns. And I wanted to write a book to say, hey, it is what they say it is, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes along with it. And I need you to understand what you're getting yourself into. If you still want to syndicate, fine. I think you should syndicate if that's what think you want to do. But please understand, there is risk, there is liability, there's a ton of stress, and there's a lot of work. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure people understood it before they dropped ten to thirty or forty thousand dollars with some organization or some mentor. Now, I love mentors. I think everybody should have more than one mentor in different aspects of their lives. But before you give somebody your money, please understand what it is you're getting yourself into. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are so many different ways to get into real estate. You don't have to take the route that's going to lead to the stress unless you're really ready for it. I mean, obviously, syndication has done you extremely well, has done a lot of people extremely well. But again, like you said, it's not for everyone. And definitely, you know, you shouldn't go into it thinking that it's all fun and games. Exactly. Yeah. There's, like you said, there's a lot of ways you can get involved. You don't have to do your own syndications. You could buy your own property by yourself. You can do a JV. You can do a syndication like I do. Or, man, there's nothing wrong with being a, uh, an LP, a limited partner or a silent investor, mm-hmm. because you'll get most of the benefit as a passive investor that you do 
as a sponsor. Now you won't get the the different revenue streams that the sponsor does because they're doing all the work. Yeah. That's only fair. Right. But, and you know, I would say our average deal, the passive investor will make between 15 and 25%, depending on the deal all in right per year. So if we hold it for five years, you're going to average about 15 to 25% as a limited partner. That's an incredible return. And it's going to be tax advantaged like crazy. So you don't, have to feel pressured yeah. or I'm way behind. I've got to do something to you know make as much money as I can as quickly as I can. When you're a syndicator, you're starting a true business. It's just like opening a bar or a restaurant. It's no different. You're starting a true business. Most people I don't think are really ready for that. They're not truly entrepreneurs. So yeah. man, just, just go find somebody that you know, like, and trust with a good track record, invest with them. So how did, how did you figure out that this was for you? I mean, you didn't, obviously you didn't start in real estate. I know from your story, from listening on the Bigger Pockets podcast years ago, a little bit about your story, but for our listeners who don't know, like how it is that you got involved, why don't you give us a little, little background? So the background as to who I am and how I got here, first of all, you know, my parents were high school dropouts. I'm a college dropout. So I fell into retail for 20 years or nearly 20 years. I did that. I thought I loved it until I realized I hate this. It's terrible. <laughs> it's ruining my body. Um, I'm five foot eight. I was 240 pounds at one time. I'm working hundred hour weeks. I'm like, I can't keep doing this. I will literally die. You know, I want my heart's going to explode. I'm so wow. stressed out. I was I was depressed. I'm like, God Lord, I was completely depressed. So I had to make a change, a drastic change. I quit. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't have another job lined up. Just decompressed for a year out in the suburbs of Austin. And then about a year in, you can only plant so many flowers and pull so many weeds. So I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do with my life? I'm single. I don't have a job. I've saved quite a bit of money because I was a Dave Ramsey guy back in, in those days. So I just sat down at the computer trying to figure it out. And uh, I found somebody that would teach me how to invest in real estate. And luckily for me, they specialized in multifamily and syndications within multifamily. So I uh, I connected with her um, and she taught me how to do it. Uh, she helped me along the way for my first three deals, a 48 unit, 120 unit and a 256 unit. And then, you know, kind of took the training wheels off and I was off on my own and I've not looked back. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It's by far the most lucrative thing I've ever done, but also it is absolutely without question, the most stressful thing I've ever done. Even more stressful than, than working in retail. As <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Retail, I can go home at the end of the day and it's over. Now I, I got to go back and face whatever the, the burning fire of the day is the next day. But at least when I go home, it's over, right? Wow. There are people above me. I'm the guy. I'm the CEO, the president, whatever you want to call me. It's my company. All of it stops with me. If elite, I have my own management company in Austin and in Nashville. If something happens that uh, my leasing professional does something wrong, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people understand that either. You know, talking about how stressful it is, how much work it is, everything that happens on my watch in my company, it's all my fault. Of course. But, but I didn't do it. Yeah, but you hired the person that did it. And you're the person on the hook legally very often. So absolutely, it, it might have been that person, but it's also going to be your company. And it's also going to be you on the other end of that lawsuit. And that's going to happen every once in a while. So yeah, it it's fun. But yeah, there, there's a lot of stress and responsibility that comes with it. Yeah. That's a really good point you make about you know having the responsibility for the team. Obviously, you have a lot of employees 
you have people working property management companies that are running the properties. But at the end of the day, it, like you said, it is your responsibility. And you're talking about you know multi-million dollar businesses in a lot of these cases, the properties that you are managing. And so the property manager that you're hiring that's you know being paid $30,000, $40,000 a year for what they're doing, they don't really have the true responsibility or the, the wherewithal to be able to handle uh, that type of business. And, and so you really do need to have the oversight and, and make sure that you're on top of them. Right. It's the e-myth, right? It's a version of that, that, you know, the property manager might go, hey, I run these properties for him. I could go, all right. There's a difference between being really good at your job as the leader of that property, but now you want to own the company that owns that property. It's a whole different skill set. Mm -hmm. And people get in over their heads because they think, because I know how to, uh, I, I, I know how to create art. Well, but do you know how to have an art business? Mm. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a CPA. I know how to do taxes, but you know how to run your own business, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into this business ownership. And every successful business, really, if you look back and you see, especially when you're talking, give the example of artists, right? Artists are usually not very good at running businesses, right? And the real successful, you know, video production companies or, or, you know, artists, these type of things, they're run by someone who actually, that's not their skill set. They realize this is a great business and they hire the artists and they hire the experts who know how to do those particular things. Right. You're juggling a billion different things. All I've got so many plates in the air all the time. You know, I have a power list that I, I work through every day, put five things on my whiteboard that these are the things I've got to get done by the end of that day. And very often that power five goes to a power 10, 15, 20. You know, again, you need to be able to juggle lots of things, keep your emotions in check. You know, I got to be the voice of calm also. You know, mm -hmm. we all through, went through the black swan event of COVID back in 2020. And, and yes, we're still dealing with it now. But the really scary part of it was that first six months. None of us knew what to expect. We didn't know what this was really going to be all about. I've got to be the person that protects my staff protects my residents. And I've got to be the person, no matter how many bells are screaming in my head, I can't let that come out. I have got to remain calm. If I don't, all of it goes to crap because everybody feels panicked from me. So they all think, oh, we're all going under. It's all good. It's all doom and gloom. So I've got to keep my head calm in that very stressful time. So how, how, do, how do you do that personally? Like, how do you keep that calm and are able to kind of manage that for everyone? Well, so one thing I want to show you here is, come on, get rid of that. Hang on. Of course, my phone wants to show me all kinds of stuff. So I know not to give up. Can you see that? Where did it go? Yeah, it got the camera blurred out, but I saw it said never give up for a second. <laughs> yeah. So my screensaver says never give up. You know, it's just the, the, the daily reminder that, you know, things are going to happen. You just got to put your head down. You'll get through it as long as you don't hide from it you'll absolutely get through it honestly a lot of it boils down to the fact that i've been blessed with eq naturally mm. emotional intelligence i know what each individual team member on my team needs from me as a leadership quality do i need to coddle this person now i'll coddle to a degree of course you know there's still accountability there's still you need to do your job does this person need to be patted on the back all the time does this person need nothing but just say go do this and they get it done you know, so that's the biggest part of it is just understanding what they need, putting them first all times. They come before me 
They come before my residence. And that throws some people, unless you know the Southwest Airlines story, or you know, another one would be Costco, Jim Senegal. Put your team first. If you put your team first and think about them, look, don't open the office right now because we're all scared. We don't know what COVID is yet. Everybody just shut the offices. Instead of having three people in the office, only one person in the office at a time. Everybody's going from a five-day work week down to a three-day work week. I'm not touching your pay. You're still going to get a full 40 hours worth of pay. But again, me as the leader, I have to be calm. I have to be not assertive, but authoritative mm-hmm. and very decisive. Yeah. I cannot be wishy-washy. And again, a lot of it, you can learn some of it, but it's just an internal thing that some people are born with. Some people are not. There are lots of resources, you know, listen and read Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Tony Robbins. There are lots of people that you can read to try to help your mindset because it comes down to mindset and controlling your emotion. Well said. I think, you know, having that emotional intelligence obviously puts you uh, in a good place as being an entrepreneur and being a CEO of a company. Not everyone has that. Like you said, some of it can be learned, but in the end of the day, not everyone's built for that. I mean, not everyone is built to run their own company. And I think that's where a lot of people who are getting into the real estate space have their own, you know, self- Self-doubt. Self-doubt maybe, or, or more than that, really, they, they're not cut out for running their own thing, but they see the advantage uh, that it may bring and maybe people get in over their heads and that's dangerous. Yeah. I think a lot of people start to, especially nowadays over the last three to five years, it's the big gold rush now in real estate is everybody's got to be a syndicator. Everybody's got to get in a multifamily. All right, look, are you sure you're ready for this? Because it is a lot. And a lot of people start chasing dollars. They do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it to chase the dollar. The dollar will come if you do it effectively and well. But don't do it for the dollar. If that's the only reason you're doing it, you're going to make bad decisions. It's going to burn you out. You should be doing it because maybe you want more control of your professional life, or maybe you just are a natural born leader. You like to lead people. You are an entrepreneur by nature. You love the the process of running a business. Fine. But if you if you hate all of that, but oh, but the dollars are so good. Eh, bad idea. You're going to regret it and you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And it's hard to unwind mistakes in this stuff. Because if, let's say I decide this is not what I want to do anymore, let's just sell it. You convince all of your limited partners that it's time to sell, even though it's earlier that I told you in the business plan, uh, it's time to sell. It's going to take you three to six to 12 months to sell the thing. Mm -hmm. On average, probably about four, but a, a rough one could take six to 12 months to sell. So you decide it's not for me. Well, you got a long wind down to go through now. Yeah, for sure. Maybe you can share with us some of the, uh, I guess, lessons that you've learned along the way. Uh, having obviously, th- not everything's in your control. Things happen in every business, and especially in multifamily, you're dealing with with residents, with hundreds, thousands of, of residents that may be making their own mistakes. I, I know everyone's had these these challenges. These had things happen in the properties themselves or in the business themselves. Would you mind sharing with us maybe like a story or or a lesson that uh, that you learned along the way? Yeah. So a couple of things here is first of all, I've always I always believed it because I was trained in leadership when I was in retail. So I understood and I firmly believed it to my core that hire smart people, give them the tools and the knowledge that they need and the expectation, but then get out of their way. Let them do the job you hired them to do. But when I got into multifamily, it's a new thing for me. It's a little nerve wracking. I wasn't scared, but I was nervous as crap. So I I was like, oh my God. 
So I reverted back to maybe 15-year-old Bruce and you know, I had to control everything. So I was doing things that my manager finally pulled me to the side on that first property and said, look, you said you want me to get $50 more in rent. And you're telling me every time I get a unit back from somebody that just moved out, you need me to do all these different things and upgrades that are going to cost you about $3,000. If you'll leave me alone, I can get that $50 rent with the state the property is in right now. It's just got to be clean and safe. I'm like, all right, I don't believe you, but I'm going to, let's see what happens. Sure enough, I got out of her way. I trusted what she had to say. And she was getting more than $50 rent bumps without spending any additional money. And then I went, no, wait a minute. Why did I have to go through that exercise? I've always believed that, but I was in a new, uncertain, uh, and uncomfortable situation for me. So I kind of started pulling it all in. I'll make all the decisions. Bad idea. And then the second thing is what I do empower other people. So I don't interact with residents at all. The beauty of that, now, there are a lot of people that do what I do or want to do what I do, and they're control enthusiasts. They have to be involved in everything. Oh, if if I'm not doing everything, something's going to burn down or I'm going to get sued or something's going to happen. Okay. The benefit of doing what I do, first of all, it gives me more balance and it gives me time to go pursue higher dollar activities. Doing that leasing professional's job, maybe, that's a $15 to $20 an hour job. I can go out and make hundreds, if not thousands of dollars per hour, finding the next deal, meeting the next investor, networking with people and learning bigger picture things. But secondarily, we had a situation one time where the manager was texting me in a panic. Bruce, I've got this leak. I've got this leak. What do I do? Oh my God, I don't know what to do again. Because I'm not on site. I'm not in the firing line. I can think clearly. If I'm on site with that person, I'm reacting to water spraying everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going to... I was able to be, again, that voice of calm for that property manager and say, okay, did you do this? Did you check that? Did you call this person? Let's go. I was able to calmly walk her through it. And by the time we got off the phone, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. What was I thinking? I was able to think with a clear head. So I think those are the two biggest things. Hire people that are smarter than you in the discipline that you want them to do for you. Give them the tools and the expectation. Hold them accountable, right? Give them KPIs if you need to, but then get out of their way. It it makes everything work better. 100%. That's the key to running a successful business right there. I mean, you said it. That's a business 101, really. I'm surprised how few people really get that because you don't see people scaling as much as as they could or as much as you did, for example. You see a lot of people kind of starting out and they do one property, maybe one deal, maybe two. And it's kind of like maybe they're getting in their own way and, and not allowing themselves to, to scale that way. Right. So I have a lot of people that will do their first deal or maybe even their first two deals. And they're like, oh, I don't know how I can keep going. I can't keep adding. You know, if if it's this much work for one property, I can't imagine two, three, four properties. Okay. You don't understand. First of all, you're probably doing too much. Mm -hmm. You are holding the reins too tightly. But secondly, with scale comes ease. When you get the property, for me, it's been an average of about property three for people. Once you get the property three, four, or five, now you have enough income coming in. You could start hiring specialization at the corporate level. You can start hiring bookkeepers and HR people. You can start hiring all these people around you, maybe a regional manager if you have your own management company. Mm-hmm. That now you're not wearing every hat any longer, but you have to get to that property three, four, or five to be able to have enough revenue coming in the door to support those people. So me running five to 10 properties is easier than you running one. 
yeah. almost without exception. Yeah, you've got to figure out how to scale. And again, it always goes back to, yes, empower people. Vaynerchuk is big on saying, look, bring somebody in to do what you are doing, but they're not going to do it as well as me. Okay, 60% of me is better than me doing it because I'm doing 100% of me. Now I've got somebody doing 60% of what I would do. That's 160%. Mm-hmm. As long as that 60% is not going to hurt somebody, get me sued, cost me a business, why would you not do that? You got to let go. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. If you don't mind me asking, like you've obviously coined yourself as the apartment guy, right? And right. Uh, and that's a brand that you have your YouTube channel, you have you know video, you have your educational series coming out. How did that come about? Meaning the branding of that and creating that network, if you will. Well, so early on, I started realizing that I am not a real estate investor. I am not a property management owner. Yes, I do have those things and do those things, but what am I? I'm a syndicator. Well, what is a syndicator? What does that mean? I raise money for a living. That's my job. I can make a lot of people a lot of money, but if I can't raise the money, I can't make anybody any money. So it was, I guess you would call it first principles. That's a big term flying around right now, but uh, I had to break it down. What do I do? Okay, I need to raise money. How do I raise money? I need to brand myself. This was before I found Vaynerchuk. Found him about four or five years ago. And I love that guy. He talks about brand all the time and how important it is. But I understood that I need to brand myself. So I was sitting in the parking lot of a, of a restaurant one evening, right before I was going into the meetup that I ran. And I was there about a half hour early. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm just kind of putzing around on my phone. I thought, wait a minute, my license plate registration, my vehicle registration's due. It just made me start thinking that, wait, I don't like vanity plates. They're, to me, it felt like a douchebag thing to do, but it's like, oh, you weird. But I thought, wait a minute. I wonder if I could get apartment guy in some form on my license plate. So I looked it up and sure enough, it was available. So I thought, wait, 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 apartmentguy.com is that it's available. It's like, how does nobody have this? So I sitting there in that restaurant, I had the brainstorm that look, I raise money. I need to make that known. People stop me about my license plate all the time, right? So it helps me. It gives me a brand or a caricature, if you will, uh, an avatar for the money raising side of my company. And again, it's not callous. A lot of people think it's, it's kind of obscene almost to promote yourself. There are many other obscene things about you, Bruce. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's not one of them. It took me a while to understand you have got to promote yourself at every turn in a very non-sleazy way, of course. Don't be the used car salesman with your shirt unbuttoned to your belly button with you know a hairy chest and the gold medallion. Don't be that guy. But every day you're alive and awake. A lot of people don't understand this. You're selling yourself at every turn to everybody you interact with. It's the same thing here. Build yourself a brand, establish yourself, stand for something, and it, it'll make the world a lot easier. You got to plug into social media. You're really good on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm okay on LinkedIn, but I'm doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and TikTok. Yes, TikTok. But it matters. It's helping me grow the brand. And again, the bigger the brand, the more people I can help. Exactly. 100%. Well, Bruce, I want to transition now to what we call the final four. There are four questions I ask all my guests. And the first question for you is, what's the worst job that you ever had? The worst job I ever had. Well, okay. Well, to me, actually, this is easy. And a lot of people, if you read the book, you know this part of my story. And I glossed over it here. I was a stockbroker in the early 90s in Austin, Texas. I'm going to school because I thought I was going to be able to figure out how to go to school and get a degree to be a stockbroker. Well, I'm thinking, I think it was 1993 probably. And I thought, oh, there's 
a job posting in the want ads, yes, in the paper. <laughs> and I thought, well, I know I can't get it. I don't have my degree, but I'm going to apply anyways. So I can start getting that practice for when I do have my degree. Well, hell, I got the job. I'm like, how in the world did that happen? Then I started working there. I went, oh, now I know exactly how that happened. This is not that big a job. This is your used car sales. That's all you are. You're just pitching stock. I was working for the largest over-the-counter firm in the country, and I was given a high five. I was, they shook my hand if I pissed somebody off on the phone, legitimately. I got called in because somebody complained to me to the SEC. I'm like, oh, no, I'm fired. No, no. They shook my hand and gave me a high five. Like, I, I don't think I like this. This <laughs> is weird. They taught me how to abuse my clients or my prospects. I'm like, this, this is not good. 80% of the office was doing cocaine. Wow. So if you saw the Wolf of Wall Street, that's what it was. It wasn't quite that over the top, but it was that. Everybody was screaming in a bullpen on their phone at people, cussing at people on the other end of the line. They're all coked out of their minds. I'm like, I can't do this. So I went from making six figures, no education. I went to work for a drive through bank. I was a drive through teller. and I made $5 an hour, 20 hours a week. <laughs> so, you know, I was making $1,000. You know, that that sucked. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the worst job I've ever had because I've got a fairly big personality and I'm very confident, but man, I did not like anything about that. It just felt gross. Yeah. It surprises me how how many people do actually like that. <laughs> when you when you hear the people living like that, it, it's just it's shocking. It really is. Yeah. The second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? You know, I mentioned him earlier, Tony Robbins. It's called Unlimited. I've got it right here on my book. Yeah, Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. And the thing, the, the low-hanging fruit is always rich dad, poor dad, right? And mm-hmm. okay, that made a difference for me, but it was Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. And one specific thing that I pulled from that book, he said, look, there's no such thing as failure. Get that word out of your mind. It shouldn't even be in the, in the dictionary. Now I'm paraphrasing all this, of course, but his thought was, you take an action, you get a result. You didn't fail. That action produced that result. That's it. Don't look at it as a failure. You don't like the results you got. Take a different action. You mm-hmm. don't like that? Take a different action. Take it. Keep taking actions until you get the results you're looking for. You don't fail. You always succeed in the result that that action created. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was earth moving for me. It's like, not that I ever was terribly self-critical of myself, but Still, it it just helped me frame that, you know, most entrepreneurs will always tell you, you've got to fail fast to really become a success. And it gave me license to think, well, it's not even really failure. But if something doesn't work out, you know, it's okay. I just try something different. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Love that you shared that because that's a huge, that's a huge difference for a lot of people. And I think that book is, uh, Tony Robbins in general has a lot of great stuff. So thank you for sharing that. We'll put that in the show notes for anyone wants to check that out. And third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Kind of out left field, right? I want to buy a G6, right? I want to buy a jet, but I want no part of flying the damn thing. I don't have any interest in that. I would like, I'll never take the time to do it, but I would love to learn how to play guitar. Oh, there you go. That's actually a pretty common answer, believe it or not, on this podcast. Is it really? Yeah, (laughs) surprisingly. Yeah, I would love to. I'm very musically inclined, but I've never taken the time. You know, I was, I played sports in high school, but I was always also in the band. So I I just love music and I would love to play. But again, I just don't think I have the discipline anymore in my life to do that. You have discipline. You just, uh, your priorities are, you know, more important things, clearly. Exactly. So the final question for you, Bruce, today is, what does success mean to you? Success isn't tied to money like I think maybe it, I thought it was 20 years ago. 
success now is, do I have a balanced life? Do I get to spend time with my family, my kids, my wife, my doggies? You know, do I get to go and do what I want to do when I want to do it? Because I can keep tabs on my organization remotely. I make enough money now that I am able to provide very high paying jobs for very good people. So to me, success is just, I'm able to give back by creating lots of jobs, giving to charity. And yeah, all of that kind of is based on my ability to generate income for myself and for others. But that's really what success is. You know, I've got an autistic adult daughter that, you know, I'm going to put some numbers out here. It's just who I am as a personality. And it's not done to be a douchebag. It's to try to drive home this concept. This daughter, we put her in therapy because she was, she was pretty depressed. She's very high functioning autistic. So we put her into some, some really intensive therapy by sending her to Hawaii for three months and then to a place out in Salt Lake City for nine months. That one year cost us $100,000. That chokes most people. If I don't have a successful business and I make decent money, I can't afford to get the help for my daughter. I want to cry. That that she needed. And, and it hurts me that other people can't do those kinds of things. Money gives me options. It gives me a more balanced life. It helps me help other people. So that's what success is for me. Yes, we all trade in dollars or crypto nowadays, but it's the ability to do what I need to do for the people that matter to me the most. That's awesome. Really uh, hit home, definitely that that point. So I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. And that's that's really that's really what it's all about. I appreciate you sharing that. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? So I'm on LinkedIn, Apartment Guy. I'm also the Apartment Guy. It's Bruce Apartment, no, Bruce A-P-T-G-U-Y Peterson on TikTok. That's where I'm most active. And then YouTube, I'm the Apartment Guy also. I've got ApartmentGuy.com, APT-Guy.com. And we're launching Streetversity, relaunching Streetversity, which is my online education that will be exceptionally inexpensive, like less than 50 bucks to join and get access to all my education, access to me virtually. So you can get that at streetversity.com and that'll launch in about a month. Awesome. Well, probably right around the time this will uh, this podcast will go live. So Perfect. We'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes as well. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time today, Bruce. It was a pleasure. It really was. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And to our listeners, thanks for joining all the way to the end and listening in. And I hope you learned something today. I certainly did. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.